Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. A horse and a man above below. One has a plan, but both must go. Mile after mile above beneath. One has a smile, and one has teeth. Though the man above might say hello, expect no love from the beast below. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave A.C. and The Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody, and it's Sunday, that means it's time... Colton Collective Podcast. And now, everybody, here's Dave. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and uh, I've just got to say it. I've got to say it uh, because it's the Masters Golf I- in America. And uh, we've got a, a Brit, Lee Westwood, in the lead. So go, Lee Westwood. Sorry. The I'm Masters not, oh, well. Golf? Well, you see. I didn't know, he, I didn't know he played. <laughs> on an episode like this, I've got to wave the Union Jack. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> anyway, we will move on with our roll call and see who's in the collective today. Joining us is Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Hello, sir. Hello. Back by popular demand. Yes, you know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's that guy. Also joining us, Robert Kerry King, 99. Hello, sir. Hello. Nice to be home and not at work this week, sir. Hooray! Hope everybody's doing okay today. We are doing just splendid. And speaking Mobbed of it. splendid, splendid chaps, all of them, Mr. Dar Skeptical. Why, hello. <laughs> hello. And by his side in the green tights, it's Logan. And I'm back without any demand. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'll unmute that junior member of the uh, collective there, Dave, joining us is Mr. Jumpy Ghostface, otherwise known as Liam. Say hello. Hello. There we go. Put him back into the cone. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) All right. Uh, The uh, doppelganger to my son, although he's a lot older and lives somewhere else, Mr. Randolph, or lover of pie. I haven't had pie in a few weeks, but yes. Hello, everyone. (gasps) How dare you, sir? How very dare you? All right, she Found just squeaked man. in. She just squeaked in, and she has sound. It's Rowan. Hey, roar again. Roaring <laughs> back into action and going down below. <laughs> hey. It's not that kind of a show. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> the beast. Kiss 
right, joining us is the very naughty Timmy. It's Mr. Tim Jury. Hello, Tim. Ah, well, apart from Beasts and Doctor Who, the only ones I've encountered this week were the bouncers on Salem Nightclub who wouldn't let me in because, although I was friends of the DJs playing, apparently trainers and my hat wasn't sports in their word. Oh, well, bad boy, Timmy. Like a bad cargo nightclub. Oh, Name them and good. shame them. Yes. Shame on all of you. And fresh from the shearers, it's Mr. Tiggs Panther. Didn't know you could shave a panther. <laughs> hi, Ian. Hi, everybody. Hello, sir. Hi. Didn't forget about you this time. You thought I did because I skipped down at Tim, didn't you? you <laughs> I, was I was getting a bit to worried as I always seem to get forgotten when I've been off for a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's gone off. Bad boy, uh, Tiggs. Bad boy, Tiggsy. Bad boy. All right. Lower the cone, Dave. Control. New agent training program. Section 3.5. The Cone of Silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the Cone of Silence. What? Do not shout in the Cone of Silence. What? In fact, don't even use the Cone of Silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The Portable Cone of Silence. What? 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 And joining us under the cone is Danny G. The second Dave. Guy, he gets around, he does. Now, that's that's how you do it, Dave. That's how you do all these podcasts and, and make up clips for other podcasts. There's two of you. I'm on you now, so. The good half and the evil half. I don't know which half of us today. <laughs> also joining us, I voted for Saxon, Jedi Justice, Marv. Cybob and guest 17. Oh, were you just swimming in whale sick? Ew. Um, clean off next time. Alrighty then. I think with that taken care of, it's time for some brief news. <laughs> Would the owner of that monkey please contact me later? It's been at your wine supply. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those of you who uh, joined us late, uh, we're doing some brief news. So if anybody else has anything, make it very brief because we are under a time constraint because there's this thing called Podshot coming up later. Never okay, I got my myself. hands ready. I'm ready to go. I'll make it brief. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But first, it's Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Okay, greetings. First up, um, just a reminder to everybody that coming this next weekend... 17th and 18th is to Doctor Who Nami, where the Doctor Who season launches in Australia on ABC One, Canada on Space, and the U.S. on BBC America. Uh, people of the various countries should have their TV listings by now to save some time. ABC One, of course, will air it commercial-free with a preview on their online service. Space will be airing the show uncut in a 90-minute slot. BBC America will air it in a 70-minute slot uncut on Saturday night only, and then in a 60-minute slot with the usual 15 minutes of commercials, so about 20 minutes chopped out, beginning Sunday afternoon and forever repeats. I don't need to repeat that. You guys already got that. So that's the Doctor Who premiere next weekend. Um, And on PBS stations, it seems they have gotten the rights to at least some of the 2009 specials. KUHT 8 in Houston will start airing them next month, and they'll be airing uh, the Waters of Mars, even, 
a mere five months after it aired in the UK. This is on a P- five months after it aired on BBC America on a PBS station. So nice to see that getting faster. Um, BBC America is making news because they have decided to add another classic British science fiction program to their lineup. The most British Star Trek of them all with the most British cast will begin airing weeknights on BBC America at 8pm and 11pm on April 26th, the date that they go to two feeds. This means that most of their weeknight lineup, which was airing from 8 to 10 Eastern, will move to 9 to 11 Eastern. So, that British drama for Star Trek The Next Generation comes to BBC America. And, of course, there is one other story, because we received a communique from a dark corner, a distant cave, I think it might be in Crawley, from an evil entity known as Mr. Dalek. Yes. Um, it reads, Two men to the world. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. We have convinced the BBC to delay the showing of Victory of the Daleks on BBC HD next weekend. BBC One viewers will get it at 6.30, but BBC HD viewers will get it at 8.25. This will ensure that there is no way the BBC can get a confident, true estimate for the ratings for that night, because some people will watch it on both stations. Example, your co-host on your show. <laughs> so this will guarantee that Doctor Who ratings are confused and convoluted, and will result in the victory of the Daleks. Signed, well. Mr. Dalek, wahahaha, Crawley. So, um, I guess the Daleks have won. Um, so now that the Daleks have finally conquered the Doctor Who ratings, uh, back to you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And sorry for the delay on that. That was supposed to sound seamless, but oh well. <laughs> it's a live show, folks. What can you do? Now, yeah, the Robert, BBC, I... I was just going to say the BBC HD are getting in trouble with things like that because um, they delayed uh, Ashes to Ashes, the high-definition version of that, because of the golf. And uh, that put a lot of people upset because uh, it, it means they're going to have to watch everything one week late now. But uh, that's another story. Sorry about that. Yes. Right, uh, Robert. I understand you have some brief DVD news. Yes, I got brief. Actually, I'm very surprised this year, uh, not only with the uh, new series, but we got a lot of Doctor Who coming out on DVD this year. I noticed, and that's that's great for us. Uh, more to add to our collection, so to say. Um, the few that I do have um, right now is um, now I noticed that. The Curse of the Paradon, the two of them, the Monster Paradon. Um, I've seen they're coming out separate here in the U.S. Now, it's kind of interesting that they're in a box set over in the U.K. But um, as far as they I see... They've decided that Americans want uh, stories that aren't consecutive released separately now. So they don't. <laughs> so now, from now on, box sets that aren't consecutive stories will probably get divided up. Oh, that's nice. So... Um, the Curse of Paradon and the Monster of Paradon is made of four. Also, um, the Mask of uh, Mandragora, yay, will be coming out made of fourth as well. 
And also another um, John Pertwee episode, The Time Monster, um, will be out July the 6th. There's also some releases in October, but I'll bring those up um, on another show. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. All right, Dave. I think it's time we got you in an elevator. What was your score? No. Does that? That was a, that was a little remark to Logan there. <laughs> he was talking about having 24 in his show, so I said, well, we'll mm. just have to head for 25. Well, lucky it's not zero, otherwise you'd be plunging down a shaft. Exactly, indeed. Well, um, if if you uh, want to give a little warning, I've got a very short clip. In fact, two with a couple of little short clips to play as, as we enter our main topic. Okay, here lies the warning. There be spoilers from here on out, because we are reviewing The Beast Below. So that entails us actually talking about it. So if that's not why you're here, then you should probably leave and listen to this later. Enough? Yes? Okay, roll that beautiful bean footage. You got a zero, didn't you? Yes, sir. You'll have to walk home then. Walk to London? That's 20 decks. You can't ride a Vader with a zero. You know what happens. You'll get sent below. I'll wait for you. Followed quickly by... Welcome to Vaterverse. Sponsored by McClintock's Candy Burgers. When I was seven, I had an imaginary friend. Last night was the night before my wedding. Come on, Pog! And my imaginary friend came back. How do you believe me? <laughs> okay, your box is a spaceship. It's really, really a spaceship. <laughs> we are in space! Woo! <laughs> What are you breathing? I've extended the air shell. We're fine. Okay. And um, I'm going to go first, if I may, because um, I'm going to be in Darth's corner, I think, this week. Because it was a... You can never tell with Darth. Well, Mm. because, although I liked it and enjoyed it, I thought it was gridlock in many ways. It was um, where you had the pace of Bo, you know using all his life force to keep the people safe below. This was a switcheroo. The people were safe above, and the the creature, not the face above, but the the uh, the whale, the space whale, was below keeping them alive. So I thought there was a, a bit of a switcheroo. But I've got a feeling that this is an episode that will grow on me. I quite liked it. Um, uh, there's some things that, towards the end that... Uh, uh, I may have issues with, but uh, again, I like the setup. Was slightly worried when we started off with young children in the scene. Not because I don't like young children, but but because I'm always worried about whether their acting performance is going to sort of uh, uh, be a limiting factor. We were proved wrong last week with the young girl who played the young Amy. Um, the the girl in this one was uh, again uh, an excellent young actress, and um, it seemed to work. It was creepy. It was certainly, uh, as he said in the confidential, more of a fairy tale type of Doctor Who than we're perhaps used to. And uh, there was a certain mixture of uh, strange and unusual ways to 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 bring up this city. 
there were um, reflections of things like um, uh, disc world one would say you know with the uh, the world on the back of a turtle or whatever you want to see there were some uh, strange choices in it um, but the one, the one thing I don't know whether the people outside the UK might have noticed is that it's a Bonnie Scott that brings down the Queen of England and um, I bet there would be a lot of cheering in Scotland when that little bit happened but um, yeah a, a few things to say and uh, as as the clips get played but um, a solid episode I would say rather than being blown away like I was um, with the first one and of course uh, jumping quite to the end uh, where we see we pan away from the uh, the city and see the creature below and then we have the crack appear I suppose because of that they had to introduce the crack in episode one but I still think it's too early to be bringing that into it unless Same of course here. as we as we talked about thinking uh, but as long as when we talked about in the pre-show before we started recording um, maybe the, the time elements are not all we think because there's been some dispute about uh, when the events of the 11th hour took place so maybe it is integral to the plot that um, that these things have to start early on but um that that was my main thought um a solid episode but i've got a feeling this is going to be what i would call a sleeper episode i've got a feeling like gridlock which i thought was a fair episode but after i've watched it about four or five times and maybe even a year or two later watched it again it actually has become uh quite high up on my list of doctor who episodes uh, i really do like it maybe this one will too so, Ian, I think you ought to have a little go, and then we honestly will get to everybody in the room. Right. Um, just so, uh, if, for those of you who are here for our, uh, the first time in one of our Doctor Who reviews, uh, we try and keep this show relatively brief because there is another show, Doctor Who Podshot, coming up next, and uh, we want to try and get through everybody. So, uh, what we'll do is we'll, I'll drive us through the list of, of everybody in the room so everybody gets their say, and if we have room at the end, then we'll have a, a mass discussion. I'm going to be quite brief here, and if I have time, I'll, I'll add more at the end. Uh, story was okay. Um, I found parts of it interesting. The, the, of course, the conclusion was, I think, great. Um, but overall story, I found myself not watching because I was too busy watching Matt Smith. Um, I am totally and utterly in love with his version of the Doctor. I think he's just fabulous. It's, he's knocked it out of the park for me. Um, from going from being oh I don't know if anyone can ever top you know David Tennant in the in the part to to watching this guy perform and be the Doctor it's just it's brilliant from beginning to end um, and I love him he's great um, yeah it was a good story liked it it was one of those ones that's just kind of you know I mean it's not as bad as Fear Her um, but it's not up there with um, like Girl in the Fireplace it was it's a nice good real first outing for the two of them as, as Doctor and Companion you know, out in space. Uh, uh, Liz Ten was just wonderful. Uh, great character in this. Um, fabulously played. I mean, uh, yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that and, and move on down the list. Benjamin! Ah, hi. Well, Hi. I remember before this episode aired, I joked that it ought to get 6.66 million for the overnight ratings so that it could be the number of the beast below. And <laughs> guess what? The overnight ratings for BBC One and BBC HD came to 6.70 million. Alarmingly close 
Uh, guys, I was joking. You were allowed to go higher. Uh, <laughs> and, and, of course, had Sophie Okinoto, who's done some things the last few years. But before she became big, back in 2003, she was cast as Allison in The Scream of the Shalka, the 2003 pilot for the new Doctor Who series that was being made by Paul Cornell with Richard E. Grant as the ninth Doctor, the series that got kind of derailed by our more successful revival. <laughs> so she was a Doctor Who companion before, and it was interesting seeing her back, this time actually in the flesh, instead of as a flash animation on an audio story. And I liked the story. I think I liked the 11th hour more, but I enjoyed both of them, and I wasn't here last week, so I liked both episodes. Uh, obviously, at there's a whole bunch of continuity being played around with. Things are weird. I, I know it's been mentioned a lot in chat. Uh, they seem to have, basically, if we're to believe this story, then they evacuated the Earth in the 29th century, century wiping out the stories, including, including the 1972 story that the Jews don't have to be wiped out. So that's fine. We seem to have to be. I don't know where that has come from. I think it's Merlin's name. I believe it's Merlin. Sorry, Merlin. I'll meet you when we come come to you. Uh, Do you want to repeat that last bit, Benjamin? Yeah. In case it got Uh, lost. I did think it was a little bit amusing how... I think this is a case of someone not paying attention on continuity. Because they had the Earth being evacuated in the 29th century, which wipes several stories out of existence including the 1972 version of The Mutants, which always tries to be so worthy, and so does Earth be wiped out of existence. But I think, they, I think that was just a case of them forgetting that... I think they were remembering that Nerva Beacon was built in the 29th century and using that date instead of noting that it was evacuated millennia, used millennia later for evacuating Earth. So that now was careful. probably meant to be later. They said they were careful, the last to leave, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Careful, Benjamin. You don't want to bring up continuity because then they'll hire a continuity advisor and we know what happens then. Um, I could get a better paying job. <laughs> <laughs> have to change your name to Ian Levine. Yes. <laughs> then we'd have to hate... Um, I mean, then we'd have to... Oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you might have heard uh, Zoe over here. Oh. Zoe the cat. Hello, Zoe the cat. She's out of earshot now. So... I think other people have some thoughts right now, so I'll jump out of the way. Okay, okay. <laughs> Mr. Robert Carey King 99. Yeah, um, I kind of like this story. I, I was pretty much okay, but, you know, some people didn't mention a, a couple of things that kind of drew my attention. One was it did remind me of Dark City. And oh, I don't yes. Know if yes. Anybody yes. remember yes. some scenes from that? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of the forgetting business as well, yeah. And the uh, sleeping film. gas and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the payoff towards the end of the film, where we kind of get it in the beginning with this episode, you know, City in Space, which was quite interesting. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. Also, the Hitchhiker's um, Guide to the Galaxy, the water. I'm surprised nobody um, mentioned that. With the well, water on the not, floor? Not, to be fair, not many people have had this say yet, so it may yeah. well be it's something that somebody would have brought up, I will bring up. Yeah, I just said the towel was missing. Um, I thought it was kind of kind of interesting on that, but um, 
Yeah, also, um, a lot of people on the boards um, was uh, reminiscent of certain things from Star Wars as well. And um, if you gentlemen don't mind, i got a 55-second clip to bring up, um, especially the scene where they get out in the, uh, the garbage in uh, the Doctor Who episode. What the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our skin. Yeah, that show. <laughs> what a lovely smell you discovered. And um, some people have been mentioning that, and also the um, scene from The Empire Strikes Back about the creature that the Millennium Falcon enters. So, yeah, that was that was kind of a nice little nod you know, from Stephen on that. But um, I um, I did really accept Matt Smith. I, I felt with this one, he did put a stamp on being a doctor. Um, I had kind of some problems. If you remember last week, um, I felt last week's episode was more David Tennant-esque David to me. But I can really see Matt Smith um, putting his role as a doctor in this episode. So, um, yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. I thought he, I thought he, he, he took on more of the persona of the first Doctor this time. He was doing the the waving his hands in front of his face and fidgety bit. He, I saw quite a lot of the first Doctor I thought this time. But of course, as they said in the Confidential, they never air these things in the order in which they are shown. Which I don't think it really is is uh, much help. You know, it really does annoy uh, me in some ways because you know you want to see him develop and then uh, they they take it off. Let me just um, play a couple of little bit of clips because I, I want to. Th- these are just little references uh, as we go along. So uh, uh, here we are. Thing one. We are observers only. That's the one rule I've always stuck to in all my travels. I never get involved in the affairs of other peoples or planets. Ooh, that's interesting. So we're like a wildlife documentary, yeah? Because if they see like a wounded little cub or something, they can't just save it. They've got to keep filming and let it die. It's got to be hard. I don't think I could do that. You find that hard to be not like detached and cold. Doctor. Right, I'll just play one more clip, and if uh, if Ian's not back uh, after Robert's finished, we'll go to Tiggs. Right on a giant starship, back to basics, bicycles, washing lines, wind up street lamps, but look closer. Secrets and shadows, lives led in fear. Society bent out of shape, on the brink of collapse. A police state, excuse me. Okay, Robert, anything else you want to just add that you thought of in that minute or so before I ask Tiggs if he'd like to come on? 
Yeah, one thing that kind of did puzzle me, and I know some people give an example, um, with the um, call from Churchill, which was kind of interesting because how did Churchill get the doctor's number? Did they kind of wake Jack up while he was asleep and um, ask Captain Jack for the number? No, 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 no. And it, put him asleep or what? What if was you that? If you notice, Churchill was using the red phone, which is like a bat phone. You know, it's a direct line. Oh, it's not a dial. Uh, in, in actual fact, the real one, uh, think of it like uh, the one that the American president has directly through to the head of Russia. You know, basically, uh, it's a secure line. It's not It's not something you dial. Yes, Commissioner like Gordon? A, yeah, it felt like, like an homage to the 60s Batman TV scene. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> yeah, like, that was like, great. Like, the third, third season where they had the little preview, like instead of having two parters at the end of each episode, you have a very quick little glimpse of the villain in the next episode, right at the end. <laughs> and because the third season wasn't well made, those were usually the best parts of the episodes. So, <laughs> okay, thanks no, for that. <laughs> well. uh, right, Robert. Uh, what, did, we'll, what, we'll, what did I miss? Uh, we we were just talking about um, the 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 Churchill bit at the end. Now oh, Robert was that doing was... that. I've just played a couple of more clips, and I've just said that we'll go to Tiggs next. Yeah, I hated that bit with the telephone. Thank you. That was awful. It's like what? So people can call the doctor up now? Oh please. <laughs> anyway, sorry Tiggs. <laughs> yeah, go on Tiggs, and then Ian will take over again. Um. Yeah. I. I guess I'll um start with the fact that yeah I. Definitely enjoyed the episode. Um, you know, there are lots of little bits in there. You know, I think a lot of kind of. It's, it's all, I think it's all the subtleties about it that I'm definitely liking about the episode and you know the series so far. You know, all the little things which are kind of showing how you know having you know the new but still being part of the old. And to me, it's really working. And you know, it's a good episode to kind of you know demonstrate that and i think it also to me it shows you know a a big part of um a big part of why the doctor needs um someone along with him because you know a big part of it was that you know at the end amy was able to pick up on some things that the doctor didn't however she wouldn't have been able to pick up on them at all had it not been for the doctor in the first place so it's like you know putting when the doctor's got someone with him you end up with kind of a combined entity that's bigger and better than either one. And, you know, Amy was definitely showing that she can hold her own. Plus, she can pick locks. So um, I thought that was fantastic. And I said that to someone on MSN last night, and um, she replied, I thought you'd like that about the episode, so I guess I'm a bit too predictable. But again, I'm thinking about it, I like also the fact that, you know, here's a lock that didn't require the sonic screwdriver to undo. You know, if you've got a hair clip or a paper clip or something like that, you don't need a sonic screwdriver, just a bit of metal, which I also thought was, um, oh, it's a different way of doing things. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I like the episode. I can't really say much more than that. Well, the first episode, quite a few people noticed that it was referencing back to earlier stories. Did you did you think like me it related back to anything else, or did you feel as though you know it was uh, taking Doctor Who in a brand new direction? It certainly had a new feel. I thought this uh, nightmarish type of uh, almost a circus effect with those yeah. Uh, creatures. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
as I said, yeah, you know, there's this whole new feel to the show, but yet it's still Doctor Who. You know, it's what I, it's, I think it's what I like about the show in general, and what I do like about the episodes we've seen so far of this series is kind of, it's the same thing, but from a new direction. Um, and you know, I like the fact that it is a fresh look on Doctor Who. You know, both from a production standpoint and having a new Doctor and having a new companion. You know, it does give a completely fresh take, yet it's still the same show. And, you know, I thought it was really good. But, I mean, I suppose I don't always so much notice if things are references to other things in quite the same way. Because I've noticed in so many different shows and stories these days that, you know, there never seems to be completely new story ideas, just new takes on old stories. So I don't so much notice when something is kind of, you know, harking back to another story because, you know, to me, all stories do. It's just the better ones are the ones that don't say blatant rip-off. Um, and, you know, I find that more often than not, especially, you know, these days, Doctor Who tends to be pretty good at kind of having homages without them being rip-offs. And, you know, I felt that, you know, it's built on what's gone before and just made something new. Right, Ian. We didn't ask yeah. the people who've gone already uh, to give ratings. Uh, will we go around the room and do ratings at the yeah, end? Yeah, we'll do it the at end. the end. We'll do it. Yeah. Okay. So lead right. out. All right. For those of you wondering why we haven't gotten to you yet, um, it does appear that uh, <laughs> that what Dave sees as his list, who's in the room, is not in the same order as my list. Um, so if it appears that we skipped over anybody, we haven't. Um, I'm taking it you didn't go to Darth yet, Dave. No. No. Uh, you would only just. Um, We've had Dave, <laughs> Ian, Dave, Ian, Ben, Robert, and Tiggs. Okay. And us. Yep. All right. Going back to the top of my list, then, Mister Darth Skeptical. Wow, I wasn't expecting that because I didn't think I was in the order. Um, yeah, because for me it goes yeah. uh, uh, Ian, Dave, <laughs> Benjamin, <laughs> Robert, and you. <laughs> for me, I'm all the way at the bottom, so I'm like, all right, I'll yeah. just back and wait. Anyway. Um, yeah, just starting out with something that's been said that I didn't even think about. For me, the best scene in the entire deal is actually this telephone scene because uh, not only does it, you know, sort of reestablish the idea of having nice little connective tissue between episodes like we did in season one in '63, um, but it, it's also a specific payoff to the phone that was introduced in series one in 2005. So that we finally see that, in fact, yes, there is a point to having that phone there. And it's not just that, um, you know, people can call the doctor because he happens to have the telephone of a former companion and all that. That there is an actual telephone number to the TARDIS. I think I thought that was pretty cool. And about the only cool thing about the episode, to be honest. Um, there are a number of things that are kind of good about the episode. Little little scenes that, you know, are interesting to rewatch. But by and large, this is absolutely the most illogical episode of Doctor Who that there has ever been. Certainly, um, that it's probably my least favorite of all BBC Wales episodes. It only gets worse by rewatching it. Um, it's truly dreadful. Um, the BBC Space Wales, you mean? Yeah, the Wales. It's it's not that. It's just that there is no logic to it. Zero. Um, and I'm not talking about you know scientific logic. Well, there's a little bit of scientific logic problems, but I don't usually care about that sort of thing. I mean, I'm a big fan of 42, and there are science problems with that one all the way through, but there aren't logical problems. 
Um, this one has fundamental logical problems in that, as we see at the very end, the whale is freaking huge. And mm -hmm. therefore, the doctor, looking down on the space station, should have been able to see at least the little tendrils of the, tra of the whale escaping out the back. If not that, then he should have been able to pick it up on the scanners inside the TARDIS. If not that, should have been able to pick it up on the sonic screwdriver. It really makes no sense that there's this huge mystery of, oh, what's underneath? Because... Everybody should have had a scanner in this thing. Everybody should have been able to see, oh, yes, there's a giant whale underneath us. So I don't really understand what all the, the mystery and all the, oh, let's look at a glass of water and see what it does. I didn't understand any of that. Oh, 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 that was the only sciencey bit. Let me play a clip. Are you sure? So it myself. Are you going to tell her? We're under orders to tell her. Well done. Keep tabs on her. Sorry to interrupt. There's been a sighting. London Block, Oxford Street. A man. Did he do the thing? Apparently. I'll have a look on the monitors. Yes, yeah, did he do the thing? Yes, that's what that's what the Queen of England is waiting for, for some guy to look at a glass of water. Totally stupid. Um, then you have the, the plot point that um, Sophie Okonodo herself realized, and it's perfectly obvious the very first time you see it, and that is, why the hell is the Queen wearing a mask? How does that possibly hide her, since nobody else is wearing a mask? It's totally stupid. Okay. Like Beaver uh, Minnesota, almost. Right. Well, I, totally I, I, I can imagine the populace going, oh, there's the Queen again. Right. <laughs> well, actually, so, I, I thought uh, the mask was for our benefit, because I thought it was going to be... Of course it's for our be, benefit. No, but I thought it was going to be River. I thought it was going to be River Song when I saw the girl sat with her back to us and that mask. I thought it was going to be revealed as River Song. Well, uh, maybe, I don't know. I suppose that's the one interpretation if you haven't been following any of the, the spoilers or, yeah. or whatever yeah. um and you know fair enough but i mean within the internal logic of the episode forget about anything else it clearly makes no sense um and then <laughs> you got the whole thing of okay so they get uh, deposited on the tongue of this uh whale which in itself is a fun idea even if it is obviously derivative but then they show the exterior of the mouth right you see the teeth well where is that going to lead to that's going to lead to open freaking space yeah so how are they possibly not getting sucked out of that and really that part of it was well i mean you know i'm not too big on science so whatever maybe there's this force field that <laughs> field. is in front of it or whatever but the question is how do they not how do they end up where they end up logically geographically when you think about the composition of the shots how do they end up on a side whatever the hell that was, a side pipe, an overflow pipe, whatever it is he calls it, it just it doesn't make any sense from, from the way that the thing is set up in pure acting terms, in pure blocking terms. Yeah, you mean the, they would have been vomited out into space, one would have thought. Something, or, you know, and even if that revealed them to be captured in a force field or whatever, that would have been fine, but how they can get from, I mean, look, the, the puke is rushing at them in a certain direction. It's headed straight for the teeth. How the hell do they end up on a side? It doesn't make any sense. So that's stupid. And then little you have where you swallow it back down and go, oh god, we said. I guess, but you know, that's stupid. Hey, it did it did leave to the to the lovely set of lines. Uh, oh, this tunnel smells. It's not the tunnel. <laughs> I suppose if you could understand Matt Smith doing that, yeah, that's fine. Mm. Um, 
and then you know you've got the entire so the basic plot you know forgetting about what impact emotional impact it has on the characters in the plot basic plot's stupid then you have the emotional arc that's caused by the plot and and, and that's just totally stupid i mean please how the hell does Amy know any of this stuff at this point about the doctor? How is she able to? How does she know that the doctor is old? What are we supposed to believe that just because she happened to see some faces of some guys maybe up on the tower in, in on World Edward Hospital that she can then assume that the doctor is you know hundreds of years old? No, I mean there's no there's no telegraphing of her knowing that about the doctor, and that's absolutely critical to her making the assumption about the whale. Then you have the doctor himself, and that's just totally stupid. I mean, the doctor is um, not going to come up with this stuff. The doctor is not going to take a, a look around. I, I don't understand how the doctor gets to the point where he gets. It doesn't make any sense to me that he's you know that easily prepared within a matter of thirty seconds or whatever to kill this creature, to kill the last of, especially since it's the last of the kind. Think of, it makes no sense when you consider Face well, of Bo and his relationship with the Face of Bo. So he's going to, with another last of the kind people, he's going to just automatically lobotomize him. Ah, come on. I mean, that just, yeah. it's so well, undoctored. It, so undoctored. Isn't, isn't the story, really, the fact that the episode one established the Doctor, episode two established the companion. The, 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 that's the note not, he must have had written down. Sure. I mean, that's that's what it's designed to do, just like Fires of Pompeii is designed to sort of give us more about Donna, fine. But that, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do it in a credible way. It does it in the in the worst possible way, and that is by defining the Doctor so completely outside of the, the realms of what his character is that it makes you hate the Doctor. It makes you like Amy. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. It should be that you sympathize with the Doctor's position and you absolutely think that the companion has done the right thing by helping the doctor have that position. Um, this is instead the doctor just being totally out of character, totally 100% out of character. Um, and it's, it's horrible. It's hor It's a, it's a train wreck of an episode. Absolutely. Again, it is the worst episode BBC Wales have ever produced. Horrible. So Darth is horrible. the honeymoon over for um, Stephen Moffat then? I, I, no, I'm just saying this is terrible. This one thing is fear. Oh, fear her's fine. Fear her doesn't <laughs> violate. Fear her gives us at least good characterization of the Doctor and the companion. I mean, you may not, you might not like the plot, but it doesn't violate the central rules of the of the show, and it and it is within itself logical, even if you know it may not be the most exciting thing in the world. But at least you don't disbelieve the Doctor anymore. In fact, it gives us more information about the Doctor. I mean, fear her at least tells us, oh yes, he's a grandfather. Definitely, there's a biological. You know, grandchild out there. That's at least something that advances the plot. This doesn't advance the character of the Doctor at all. It draws the, that character back. It makes that character look worse. And no, that you know, last time I was like, oh yeah, Matt Smith was one of the saviors of the episode. I didn't like, you know, the plot was pretty slight last time too. But at least Matt Smith was a credible actor in the role. I don't think this time he was that credible. I there were many times where I was like, what are we looking at here, Sylvester McCoy? What's what's going on with the shouting? I mean. Well, it was, oh, they're, they're they're out were, of, I mentioned that the outer sequence of showing these is always, I think, it's a bad thing. I'm sorry, about, guys. I, I, I thought it was a bad Hold up, hold up. Yeah. It's Darth huh? yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. To me, Matt Smith, look, I mean, I know this is like, what, the second, this will be the third episode, the second story that he actually filmed. 
that's not, and in, and in a way, it's kind of interesting because it is much like Peter Davison's Four to Doomsday. I think you know Peter Davison is not that great in Four to Doomsday, um, and in, in that same way, I think Matt Smith is kind of not that great here. Um, get some feedback inside, but yeah, uh, it, it was it's totally Sorry, Jeffy. Just it it, it 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 has for me at least totally broken the illusion of last week where I thought, oh yeah, this is going to be all right. Now I'm like. Well, it could be all right, and probably gets better in the end, and I'm certainly hopeful for next week. But my God, that is absolutely a turkey. The were in uh, in almost every respect, it it just uh, oh, it's terrible. It, it really does make me not as excited. I've never been this mm, unhappy with the progression of a season this early into the season. Because when I think of, I mean, this is think about the think about the other second story. I mean, you got Tooth and Claw. Tooth and Claw was fantastic. Tooth and Claw is the moment at which, for me at least, David Tennant became fully the Doctor. Um, Fires of Pompeii. That's a great story too, and that's the point at which you know I was fully hooked into the Catherine Tate character. Really, um, most second end of the world is great too. You know, end of the world establishes, I think, a, a very good relationship between Rose and the Doctor. Um, but this is nowhere in that league. Nowhere does this – I know what it's trying to do. It's trying to do almost exactly the same thing that every second episode does, but it doesn't succeed Okay. Right. All well, right. Uh, before you go to the next one, let me just play a couple of little clips so they're keeping on the little short ones. All right. Meet me back here in half now. What are you going to do? What I always do, stay out of trouble. No engine vibration on deck. Ship this size, engine this big, you'd feel it. The water would move. So, I thought I'd take a look. It doesn't make sense. These power They're not connected. Look, look they're dummies, see? But they are this wall, nothing. It's hollow. If I didn't know better, I'd say there was no, no engine at all. They are, Garth, from his own words, it don't make sense. His own mouth. Okay, Ian. All right, next up is Logan. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. And I got a little clip of myself. It's not from Doctor Who, but this also explains and uh, gives my feelings of this particular one. Worst episode ever <laughs> of this season. <laughs> uh, I, don't have, I don't have a whole lot to say. I mean, Darth covered it. I agree with Darth 100% there. The only other thing I really, and I talked with Randall Thor about this last night, and that was, to me, it seemed the doctor was kind of cruel when he's yelling. And I don't understand. I'm only familiar with New Who, with Eccleson, with Tenet, with this new doctor now. I don't know how some of the other doctors behaved in some of these regards. But when he's screaming and and acting oh. quite cruelly toward, toward Amy... No. No, I thought it was good that because he was saying, you know, I, I'm no longer called myself the Doctor. I mean, in the last series we had, you know, where the Master had said to him, you know, how it was, you know, how they'd both chosen their names, one to be called the Master and the Doctor to be called the Doctor. And, and he was saying, uh, what you brought me to, and, and quite right, Darth says, uh, he should have been able to work a better answer out than that. But the point is that because of this act he was going to have to do, you know, um, he felt as though he'd been pushed to this extreme and he would no longer be able to claim himself to be the Doctor. 
So it, it was supposed to be trying to show the jeopardy of the point, I think. Whether it did it successfully or not is another matter. Well, I'm, yeah, I understand that. But like I said, I mean, remember, too, I'm coming from just a viewpoint with the new Doctor Who series. I've never seen the Doctor truly act that way toward, or I can't remember seeing a Doctor act that way toward a companion like that. And it just, I guess it threw me for a shock, and I'm going to be wondering how this Doctor is going to be in the future. Is he going to be bouncing around? Is he going to be happy-go-lucky in one one case and then somewhat cruel in the next case? Uh, and also, just for a few people typing into the chat room there, you got to remember what I said about this, this worst episode ever of the season. Now, of course, it's only the second episode, but I loved the first, I loved last week. Last week was great. This one was a letdown for me. And I'll, right. just, I'll, I'll wait to see next week what happens there. Now, if you if you might have to go soon, do you want to give your rating now if you're not going to be around for the end? Uh, well, I won't be around for the end. I would say, uh, uh, what, what do you use for a scale? Out of five, ten? Uh, uh, five. Five, is the no- five is the normal one, yeah. Out of five? Uh, three and a half. Okay. I mean, like I said, I, I have to give it a little bit better just due to the fact that it is just the second second uh, episode with this new Doctor. I like Amy. I thought it was a very good Amy episode. But I agree with Garth, who, sir, you are a genius, and thank you for uh, for describing all that for us. But, yeah, everything, especially the vomiting scene, I was asking the same thing. Where are they getting vomiting out to? Just a lot of inconsistencies there. And that's it. Cheers. Alrighty. Moving on down the list. If you would please unmute him, uh, sir. Mr. Jumpy Ghostface. Hello, Liam. Liam. Hello. Hello. Hi, hey, Liam. So what do you think of the episode? I said hello. What did you think of the episode? I pretty much have to agree with Dark. I don't know who you are. You're um, not mine. <laughs> I don't like it very much. Hmm. How what, come? Because you thought it was silly or because it didn't work for you? Huh? Was it because you thought it was a silly idea with the whale or you just didn't um, think it worked very well? No. There's another part which I don't understand. Why would they keep their mouth open when they're about to be flushed out of a mouth? Vomit. Well, yeah, it, it was. I mean, like Darth said, it was no no way near airtight its mouth, but it was supposed no, no, to be no, clenched. But, but what, he, what he's saying is, when the big wall of vomit is coming, they're standing there with their mouths open. Oh right, <laughs> in disbelief, maybe. Yeah, it's the last thing I'd open. <laughs> I did not understand that. And afterwards, Amy even. Bit out some of the vomit. Uh, the other thing is, of course, they could have been, you know, like people that are going underwater. You take it, you open your mouth, take a big breath, because they knew they were going to have to hold the breath for uh, the next few seconds. True. So, was there any bits in it that you liked? Okay. Um. Why would he, the doctor, be screaming? Using all his air when his mouth was open. Mm. Was there any bits that you really liked in the episode? 
Do you have a favorite? You didn't like but the fish line? It was okay. What did you think of the end? Huh? I want to ask Liam a question. Did you like the mechanical oh. people that were in the booths? Huh? Did you the like the mechanical, mechanical people? people? Huh? When, when, the they turn, when they turn the heads. The smilers. Oh. Thank you, Ray. I didn't quite understand the point of that. Mm. You're okay. not the only one. <laughs> okay. I didn't quite get the point of the smiler. Did you like the 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 the, the thing he did with the water? And why and then... were they needed on the ship? <laughs> well, they were like the policemen, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, really? that. They wanted to search, and anyone got intercepted who started to question things. Mm. The smiler. If anyone seems to be uh, questioning stuff or through their behavior, endangering the fiction of their world then because the smilers, these people get pulled aside. And how short the episode was, they could have spared a scene or two to give a little bit of context because eh, if we have to put it together like that, then it wasn't well done. But I'm pretty sure that's where it was going. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to you at the end for your for your rating. We'll come come back at you at the end of your writing. Back under the cone with them. All right. Um, a couple of people have put into chat just briefly uh, about the whole uh, video that Amy made. Um, they never show when she made that, and the, the the problem is, I think, in editing where they don't show that kind of little jump which they need to do because what happened is she watched the thing, she recorded the message, then she hit um, forget. And so what you actually see is the progress in time from her point of view where she's watching the thing and the next thing she's doing is hitting the button. And so she's the doctor off, comes yeah. in and says, oh, looks like a 20-minute memory wipe. So she watched all that stuff, recorded the video, then hit the forget button. I think we should maybe point out that this episode has the most number of credited editors of any episode of Doctor Who, which only speaks to how bad it really is. <laughs> Still didn't get it right. Yeah, they they kept they just kept chopping and chopping and chopping and had too many uh, you know cooks in the kitchen as it were. I wonder if they got in trouble with Staples for ripping off the easy button and had to do some <laughs> emergency editing to get out of it because I'm certain Steve Moffat must have gotten this idea visiting a Staples store while in Los Angeles for one of the Gallifreys or seeing an ad for oh that was easy. Yeah, of course. Of course. We, we have could... Staples here as well, Benjamin. It could turn out, of course, that this is the what you might call the bottle episode, and it was done, you know, uh, on on the reduced budget. I mean, they even had Magpie Electronics in it, didn't they? From uh, that's that's going to be a running theme to confidential. Ah, right. And also, if well, you it already look, has uh, been on, on a lot of the uh, view screens. The um, the font type and uh, used for for all the displays like Starship UK. It's very reminiscent of the early BBC. Um, Logos. Okay. Yeah. We're going to Randathor before, and then yes. Tim, did you say? Randathor. Hello, sir. Hello. Um, pretty much, uh, Darth actually 
everything that I had written up earlier today to go over on this episode, Darth actually p- pointed out before I did. It was all those inconsistencies scattered throughout the episode. And uh, my, uh, my sort of joking uh, response to that is... Uh, oh, hold on, I don't see if I'm... Okay, uh, there's just a connection problem that I saw in TweetDeck, so I wasn't sure. Anyway, uh, just my joking explanation for that is it's it's caused by the cracks in time. It's the story arc. Uh, but over, overall, this was not my favorite Stephen Moffat episode. It was written by Stephen Moffat, and I was expecting something good. This one, it's not my favorite. Not my favorite at all. And uh, sort of my last comment, well, besides all the the uh, story arc clues that I picked up, was that the whole space well thing reminded me a lot of... Uh, there was an early Game Boy game, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. It reminded me of the windfish from that game. <laughs> it's the whole idea of a, of a fish that can that flies through space. No, not, not a fish, but a well that travels in space. Of course, right. this one had a, had, a, had a civilization built on it, but yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, that. Well, uh, not to cut you off because I want you to talk, but I've just realized the next clip really referred to that last bit you mentioned, Ian. So let me just play this short clip. All the information I'm about to give you will be erased from your memory. You will continue to enjoy the safety and amenities of Starship UK, unburdened by the knowledge of what has been done to save you. Here, then, is the truth about Starship UK and the price that has been paid for the safety of the British people. May God have mercy on ourselves. Yep. We're going to bail the banks out. Oh, sorry, no, a different show. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on, Alistair. Yeah, it's just going up onto the... We already, of course, have a st- what looks to be the seasons of the series story arc going on, and I picked out quite a few clues. And it's like, there are things like, we had another 20 minutes. We had, apparently, Amy lost 20 minutes there in the in the voting booth. And 20 minutes goes back to uh, the 11th hour. There was 20 minutes left for the doctor to save the world. There was uh, two years missing. And if you if you looked at the, the display when the computer said how old Amy was, it said 1308 and said 1306. There there was a two-year difference there. There was uh, a zero and uh, another appearance of zero and, of course, 1308, 1306. And uh, just uh, those are pretty much the... Uh, the the arc clues that I picked up on, and right. well, if, if anyone wants to pick up on the, the whole Scotland agenda, there was another right. reference to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as I said, I think I said it beforehand. Is, you know, to heck with this whole gay agenda thing. What is Stephen up to? I mean, you know, I shouldn't have to explain. You're very low, Ian. Is yeah, your me? volumes. Yeah, your volumes just gone low, Ian. Really. Hello? Okay, oh, you're back. Me. You're back oh, now. Yes. There you are. Yes. Uh, where? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have to explain to my son that there are Scottish people out there. I mean, I don't want to have to broach <laughs> that subject with them. It's just not right. I mean, they're just shoehorning it in, shoving it down our throats that there are Scottish people out there. I mean, come on, Stephen. Twice <laughs> in in the last two episodes. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a go at real fan. <laughs> Nick, got your own ship. Ooh. Oh, and of course, the last arc clue is the obvious crack on the side of the ship in that last shot. Alrighty. Um, uh, is that it, Mike? That's all that I have.
<laughs> Moving on down, if you would please unmute the lovely lady. Oh, you go, Tim. I think you go, Tim next. No, if you watch the chat. Oh, <laughs> it's Rowan. That's true. Hey. listen to your rant. Thank you. That's much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did you think of the episode? Oh well, am I am I going to be the only one to say something positive about it? <laughs> I did. I was positive mostly. Oh, oh, oh. this like um, I I found it very. I mean, I, nobody seemed to mention the fact that uh, Amy made decisions in this episode without Foster. The doctor, of course, was yelling at her because she made decisions without him. But then she had to take all the consequences from making those decisions without even knowing that he was making decisions, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, Doc brought up Fire Pompeii, which kind of reminds the decision with the doctor and Donna and that one. That was kind of reminding me of that. Yeah, but anyway, um, I felt, I love the smilers. I mean, uh, even though they, a lot of people didn't understand them, I, I kind of did. They were kind of like the teachers because you see them in the uh, the schools where they were kind of like the administrators. But what really freaked me out was when at the towards the end there when they actually went to that fourth smile and they got up out of the booth. <laughs> yes, that was a surprise. Oh yeah, that that got me with that one. And I I love the whale. I'm sorry, but I really did like the whale and and the fact that Amy figured out. I mean, but I, when I saw those claws at first, I was thinking of the macra. And I wasn't actually talking about the, the whale itself, but those little tendrils coming up. But I, at first, when I first saw them, I was thinking more of um, the Mara. Um, did the, the snake thing from going way back in Davison era, which kind of... Yeah. Kendra and snake dance, yeah. Yeah, Kendra and snake dance, yeah. Um, but um, I also liked that the effects were really well done in this episode too. I mean, uh, right. and they, I mean, it did remind me of Satellite Five a little bit with the uh, community on board, except that it was maybe forty times bigger. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, and, and uh, well, I don't know. I mean, um. I think the fact that the whale was friendly and that it was being tortured was a bit of a moral issue. To uh, and then the fact that the doctor was willing to put it out of its misery to uh, set it on its course, not wanting Amy or anybody else to hit that uh, panic button. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, well, I'll I'll just kill it instead of hitting that panic button because the message had said it would kill everybody. Right. Mm. Well, like like they said in the confidential, uh, if you notice, the doctor's working so hard on what he thinks is the solution, he doesn't notice the very thing that he tells Amy to do. He tells her to look at everything, watch right. everything, and she is. She's watching, and she notices that it's very, very friendly to the children, but it hasn't been friendly to anybody else. And so that's what clues her in, and then she starts going back through everything. Uh, right. Which was much better done than the Doctor Vision from Eleventh Hour. That was just truly horrendous. Oh. I appreciated all their hard work, but awful. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so it, I mean, it was one of those ones where yeah, the companion saves the day. But yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like I said, I like the moral issues of uh, what was the doctor thinking? You know, the whale was the last of its kind. He was the last of his kind. And uh, I kind of liked it at the end when they made up, and uh, it was kind of like, yeah, I understand you made a mistake, but you did it for the best intentions, and, well, who knows, not everybody's perfect. And he was about to say, yeah, because you're human. (laughs) 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 You know, it's like, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to send you back home tomorrow. And it's like, that was happening in the middle, and I was like, okay, she really pissed him off this time. And I was like, this is just his personality that... You know, because the same thing happened during um, uh, Boomtown, where uh, the guy was like messing about with the uh, um, with the computer, with the uh, bio computer, and had that little port put in his head. You know, I that was from the uh, Eshelton era, which was kind of like one of my favorite episodes from that era. <laughs> um, because I love the snap of the fingers, you know. It's like that's the first time we see that, you know. Like the wolf whistle is what makes it open up the port. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of kind of like that. They're like, oh, there we go, another companion playing around with the computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was a bit a little bit simpler to operate. And um, what I could do, Ian, I've only got one more clip. But again, mm-hmm. it refers to what we're talking to. So okay. can I just play this now? Okay. Yes. Humanity or the alien, you took it upon yourself to save me from that. That was wrong. You don't ever decide what I need to know. I don't even remember doing it. You did it, that's what counts. I'm... I'm sorry. Oh, I don't care. When I'm done here, you're going home. Why? Because I made a mistake. One mistake. I don't even remember doing it. Doctor! Yeah, I know. You're only human. What are you doing? It's the worst thing I'll ever do. I'm going to pass a massive electrical charge through the Starwell's brain. Should knock out all its high functions, leave it vegetable. The ship will still fly, but the whale won't feed it. That'll be like killing it. Three options. One. I'd let the Starwell continue in unendurable agony for hundreds more years. Two, I kill everyone on this ship. Three, I murder a beautiful, innocent creature as painlessly as I can. And then I, I find a new name because I won't be the doctor anymore. Unless we can, we can do some other way. Nobody talk to nobody. Human has anything to say to me today! Right. You know, well, I was you curious. If I can ring up, what about the Christmas invasion and the big red button? You would think the doctor would have thought of that button instead of Amy on the application uh-huh. walk. It's regenerated instantly. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, the but, other thing is, he, he, he's always said he's the doctor who never would, didn't he? Which uh, is another uh, bit of a, an issue with that. But I think it, the whole point is it, it got written down this is where the uh, the the companion has to save the day. Therefore, in a way, the doctor has to make a mistake 
are yeah. a, a poor judgment. So, Rowan, you want to finish your bit off, and then Ian can continue on. Oh yeah, we're um, trying to think about other points. Um, you already mentioned the Star Wars reference with the, uh, at least in the chat room, they did about the uh, um, going into the uh, into the mouth and the teeth and everything. Um, I kind of, I kind of like that tunnel reference. Yeah, you know, the uh, with the tongue. Oh, it, we're sitting on something alive here when they didn't quite know what it was yet, and. Um, and I love that point that uh, Jumpy Face, Ghost Face, said about uh, you know keeping their mouths open in in, in the way of the uh, vomit coming up the tunnel. <laughs> I guess it's a really good point. Uh, but um, I I was kind of more thinking along the lines of um, Jonah and the whale, where uh, you know, they're carried by the whale. And all of a sudden, now that or in um, who is that? Um, Finding Nemo, where they're communicating with the whale, and uh, you know, and the, and the whale says, "Okay, stand back to the back of my throat." <laughs> so, 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 just to sum up, I mean, do you do you feel as though this was a a flawed episode, or did you like yeah. it anyway, or what? I, I, I actually, I, I'm, I like these underdog episodes anyway. I mean, I, right. I like all the episodes everybody hates, so it's kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I there's even, always I, one. I even like, I even like Love and Monsters. So that oh, kind of <laughs> where's the mute button? Oh <laughs> my! <laughs> oh, I mean, and not not only because of the uh, ELO references either, but uh. <laughs> Great music in that episode, yeah. Love oh yeah, for the it wind. really was. But uh. It's, it's kind of like even uh, Fear, like you mentioned before, had a, at least had good act, had a good uh, acting between David and uh, and Billy, and uh, but I did like the um, the fact that he carried that torch, you know, and at least in Fear Her. But um, as for this episode, I I would probably give it a um, four out of five Tardis groans. Okay, well that, that, that's perhaps as well you're giving that because you are, I realise, on the uh, on the standard phone. Uh, we'll, we'll nip back to the people oh. later, but uh, that's great. Thanks, uh, Ian. Have we got two more without uh, to come yet? I think. Yes, we've got Tim next, and then fifty-seven. Uh, so right, thanks, Alan. Bad, bad oh, Timmy. You're welcome. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, 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 who said that? Who said that? Hang on, who said that? Bad boy, Timmy. I've got to do my South Park episode now, which is horribly bad for my throat. We're all going to go, Timmy, Timmy! Please go down the well. Well, thoughts that this one is the cheaper in the series. Is the, the surprising fact with this one is they did actually do some location filming, and it led to all sorts of weird... Um, off the uh, off the grid and entirely inaccurate speculations when oh, the yeah. set reporters were they spotted um oh look it's that guy that was in a show that um, British listeners will know called the Demon Headmaster. Oh yes, um, yeah. It was a very very good actor, and it, it's a show that me and my brother enjoyed watching. And my brother said, oh, they should give this give Doctor Who to these people. And I, and I thought, well, they never will, because it's not got that kind of budget. But it was a, 
They made it the two or three series, but they're all um, adapted from a series of children's books. And uh, Terence Hardiman was his name, I think. And um, so, well, yeah, I, I, I don't quite know why they bothered with location shooting because they like filmed it in some castle, so they had this sort of rocky backdrop to it, and it, it just didn't seem to warrant the the, the location filming. Um, the Smilers, what were they? They were never explained. They really, really didn't need to be there. They could have saved themselves a few pounds not having them there. Um, Sophie Okanido, although excellent as the Queen, lacked all credibility because she's entirely the wrong colour. Somebody had Pardon? to say it eventually. Why? Excuse oh. me, the British royal family Help. is white. Why the British the hell are you talking about? It is yeah, I'm not being racist here, I'm just making a directly racist. Yeah, well, <laughs> for us to have a black queen, someone black will have to marry into the royal family, and I do not see that ever happening. I'm sorry. Okay. A thousand, thousand years not even a thousand years? years? Come on. I suppose it's possibly eventually. It just doesn't seem uh, credible. But, um... Wow. Well, anyway, <laughs> I didn't realise that would put cat among the pigeons so much, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna scare you. You didn't realise that. Well, no, anyway. no, I, 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 I think would, I was uh, just saying it surprised him. Uh, I, I don't think it's surprising given the length just, of time. Yeah, but, um, I, I, I was actually going to bring it up some, earlier, saying that uh, I'm sure the BMP are already writing letters to the BBC. <laughs> oh, I don't know, but anyway, um, some nice Matt Smith moments, although he. It, it, it does still seem like it's an early episode for him because he's he's coming. He has that kind of raw energy that Tennant has, and um, so so a lot of the time he seemed like Tennant, and he would they, they had to do this whole nine a minute thing because, as Benjamin pointed out, this was quite a short episode, and so the directors clearly been going to speed, speed, speed. We've got to get all this ex explanatory dialogue out. I did like that if that moment quite early in the episode where he says to Amy, yeah, I had to bump into that girl four times to get this off. <laughs> I thought that was a nice kind of doctorish moment. Um, yeah, there was sort of other iffy moments like where does the message get recorded, but as we've already covered that there's a 20-minute block on her memory, so that kind of makes sense. And... As for the end, where Churchill calls him up, hmm. if nothing else, it's a nice kind of flow through the first few episodes, and so they're doing an old um, 60s Doctor Who trick of putting a little sort of teaser in at the end. And um, you know, ne next week's the one's the one I'm really going to... Uh, have to pay attention to because the the Doctor Who podcast. I volunteered to sit up half the night on Wednesday and join them on their show as well. So that'll be about three podcasts I'll be doing one week, possibly four if I do Podshock as well. But um, on the whole, watchable, but definitely not Moffat at his best. And uh, next week we have um, uh, Mark Mark Gatiss return to the writing, so that should be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if the show's as jokey under Gattis as it's been under Moffat, because there's been some good gags in these first two episodes, and uh, Gattis has 
probably better known for his more darker style. Mm. It does seem strange that I mean, you, uh, I mean, Ben Benjamin, and you, as well as yourself, have pointed out that, that how short this episode was. It, it, it's surprising that in this day and age they can actually get away with having all. I mean, obviously you can have the extended ones that are 64, 65 minutes, but you would think it was either you know 42 minutes or 64 minutes. The way it seems to change every week. I mean, Benjamin, are there, uh, is there any sort of um, does it cause waves in other countries? All these? Does it just mean they just chop more or less out to well, fit their needs? Certainly, in the past, with sci-fi, because it was sci-fi, not sci-fi then, and BBC America, if the episode was longer than they were willing, than the amount of time they gave per episode, a BBC America gave more time than sci-fi. But if it exceeded the length, then they would simply edit, with the caveat that sci-fi was airing the Christmas episodes and extended time slots. So the Christmas episodes were airing pretty much okay. But they would chop the stuff that was longer than 44 or 46 minutes, depending on the station. This year, BBC America is claiming that the premieres will be uncut. But for episodes that run long, they're going to um, cut out the extra, t- extra stuff on repeats. Now, with sci-fi in the first year, they actually had put fillers in because some of the Eccleston episodes ran short. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if BBC America had some sort of a filler or behind-the-scenes thing of several minutes to deal with the beast below. Yeah, you'd think there would be an absolute minimum that they would be, you know, have to, you know, it's got to be about 42 minimum. And uh, you anyway. Just throw more ads. It's fine. Mm. All right. Okay. <laughs> Just back to Tim then. Thanks for that. Uh, anything to wrap up on your chat before we get to Jiffy G? Um, well, not much more to add, and other than the Doctor seems to develop this strange uh, propensity to lie to the companion immediately because he, he he made a lot of stressing that oh I never interfere I never interfere and <laughs> there he goes interfering about five minutes later and I thought, yeah I think that why was is he sa- I, kept, I kept thinking why is he saying this <laughs> I think it was a bit of an in joke that one it is just <laughs> funny yeah. well, we have we have to we have to mention magpie electricals mm-hmm. which is yeah. clearly going to show up throughout the series and uh, it's going to be the um, the, the keep your eyes out and uh, your pens and papers handy and can you spot where Magpie Electricals is going to be this week? There'll be a quiz at the end of the <laughs> end of the series. Hungry! Hungry! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the doctor right. still got the wire and the TARDIS. <laughs> Doesn't the wire... And, uh, beta. <laughs> oh no, I thought she was going to wipe the tape. Could the crack be the wire? Well, it's possible. <laughs> Oh, oh, right. he, did, he did say, didn't Stephen Moffat say there were no returning... Com- anyway, no never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I- Ian's running the room. Ian's yes. in charge. Ian's in charge. Well, we've got one more person, and they've waited very, very, very patiently, so if you could please unmute Gifty7. Hello. Hello. Are you there? They probably stepped away from the phone. Oh, I can oh, hear myself. Not muted. Okay. <laughs> I want in the library. Jeff? Oh, again, my chance. Well, that's a new one. We put one to sleep. <laughs> that's, a, that's Ben's job. We can't have that. Yeah. All right, right, I'll, I'll, unmute, 
I'll have to mute it and yeah. put in the text if you want your turn. Um, yeah. Dave? Right. Yeah? I have a question I wanted to bring to the uh, room here. And did anybody, and it might have just been me, but I just wonder what the smilers are thinking. Didn't it feel like a little Sarah Jane to you guys? Yes, Which ain't a bad a bit, thing. Yeah. Yes, it, it, it was a little bit of a... Because uh, they had a similar idea, didn't they, outside... Um, uh, a circus thing where they one of the episodes where they mm-hmm. they went into a, a an old abandoned cl- place for clowns and that I can't remember the episode but um, Day of the Clowns oh well that, that <laughs> thank you <Darth. laughs> uh, but I mean uh, they, they did one of the things that, that did please me in the confidential they said that this is the most um, uh, fantasy one of the lot I mean they're not going to get like this every week they're not going to be um on this vein every time and it's it may well be that it was the bottle episode but um i, I thought it was all right but i have a feeling it may grow on me I, even despite all the things that have been brought up um i think uh <laughs> there was a lot to commend it and basically although i i've told russell t davis off for, for getting into ridiculous plot points just to to have a a nice denouement at the end. I think that's what this was about. It was basically to show the uh, the companion had metal. Uh, but I wonder if there'd been any Scots people aboard the ship, whether she'd have pressed that button quite so quickly. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Well, it appears we have come to at least the end of this section. Oh. But uh, um, just hang a no. minute. Uh, uh, Jiffy's putting in text. Yes. Yeah. We we tried to get you on, but we couldn't hear you. Yeah, uh, Jeff is having sound issues, so it's going to put stuff in the text, and so we will read it as soon as it's in there. Um, so, I mean, looking back at some of the comments, I mean, I can see where, where everybody's coming from on it. Uh, me, I was just kind of absorbed in, in, in Matt's performance, because I thought it was very, very good. I, I love his doctor. Um, kind of sidelined the story, because it was... Yeah, it was weak. Um, but I thought some of the performance was really good and, you know, enjoyed it for the, for the performance more than anything. I, I mean, I skipped through it today uh, after, I mean, I've watched it twice now. I skipped through it again, kind of focusing on a lot of Matt's lines because I just, you know, I like his uh, his delivery and and the way he... I don't know, the way he in- brings the doctor out. I mean, I keep looking at it going, yep, that's the doctor. And that's the whole idea. Well, time travel's a plus. <laughs> Anything with time travel. <laughs> Do you want to uh, read what's been put in the text? And then no, I don't know if Merlin wants to. Oh, all right. Okay, okie dokie. Uh, and this is Jif G7. Uh, I totally agree with Darth. Uh, my two main problems were that Amy seemed to have an unbelievable debt of understanding of the Doctor. Oh, my! I don't know whether that meant he's going to have another point as well. Uh, uh, I'll read anything else if it comes in the text. And I don't know that Merlin's put a few things in earlier on, but uh, I'm not sure I can find those particularly. Uh, he was having a, a, a conversation earlier before. Well, um, my understanding Honeymoon is, is over for the 45 minutes. Oh, right, okay. I see some Troughton and McCoy. Why is it that I see and hear more of Davidson? So he sees 
Troughton and McCoy, but he hears Davidson. Okay, uh, here's number two from Jiffy G. Uh, she went straight ahead and risked thousands of people's without trying to well, probably millions. There could have been as many as 60 million on board. Well, she did try to discuss it, but he ignored her. He flat out just yeah. blew her off because she went over there, Doctor, don't do it, don't do it. He looked at her and then looked back to what he was doing and yeah. and kind of like, don't don't talk to me, human. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah she's just like, key, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, we said we'd try and keep it to an hour and a half, Ian. I don't know you want to right. go around... Uh, yeah, well, now we'll go around and get ratings, um, if people hadn't already. Uh, those of you in the text chat, if you'd start putting them in now, and Dave will read them once we get uh, done going around the room and get people's final thoughts, final thoughts and ratings. Benjamin? I would round it up to four out of five, assuming we're on a five-point scale. Maybe like 3.8, 3.9, but round it up to four. Okay, okay. Robert? I'm kind of staying in the middle of where a lot of people. I give it a three and a half out of five. It seems to be between three and four. Seems to be what's going around so far. Okay, Darth. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, <laughs> gotta ask. Uh, we have a new winner in terms of you know, no longer is Voyage of the Damned at the bottom of the pile. Um, <laughs> so this is you know what would it be? Uh, I don't know how many episodes have there been. Well, 60, 62, is that right? So this is 62 out of 62 in terms of, uh, you know, BBC Wales episodes. Uh, it's a zero. Um, zero for plot again, Dor? Uh Zero for, just zero. Just zero. Um, and it, and it's, it's really sad. You know, we, we haven't really mentioned that this space whale idea has been kicking around Doctor Who since the 80s. You know, it's a Pat Mills idea. And uh, it's such a shame that when it finally gets realized, it really makes no sense at all. Because it's it's a great idea, um, but just what a what a horrible execution, what a terrible disappointment this episode has been. Okie dokie. Wow. Mike, I give this episode two glasses of water on the floor out of five. <laughs> Brand. Well done. Shaken, but not done stirred. You. <laughs> Okay, Helen. Yes. You're oh, rating like out it. of five. I think it's Kate first. Glasses? Oh, five. Oh, five. Five glasses? Okay, I'll give it a, uh, um, I'll give it like four g- jiggles of a glass. <laughs> <laughs> With okay. an ice cube in, right, okay. <laughs> Digs. Um... I enjoyed the episode. I'd say about personally three and a half to four out of five. Um, you know, it had some, you know, some flaws and plot holes. But when I watched it last night, I enjoyed watching it. So, four out of five. There we go. And Tim. Uh, well, three out of five, mostly for the dialogue rather than the story, because um, it did have some good lines in it. All that um, I'm the queen, and basically. I rule, <laughs> which I've now said as if it was a line from Red Dwarf. <laughs> yep. Bad boy, Timmy. That's <laughs> oh, Timmy. <laughs> Timmy. Okay. And now for those under the cone, Dave, would you please read the uh, 
Right, yeah. nobody type Ready. anything, so I'll lose them. <laughs> uh, Yorkie Jason, um, one and a half out of five. Uh, Jumpy mm. Ghostface, that's Liam, two and a half out of five. Uh, Merlin, three out of five. Um, Guest 21, four out of five. Marv, three out of five. Cybob, three out of five. Uh, Jiffy G7, two out of five. Scardis, uh, three and a half out of five. And I think I've caught everybody uh, there. Logan, I think, gave his rating uh, before. And I think it was, um, was it three and a half he gave? Yeah, so, um, he gave the same thing I gave, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody besides you and me? No, no, I think I think we've pretty much covered it. We well, uh, I, I I think three and a half, but I've got a feeling I think this will, will grow on me when I've watched it because I think there are some good little speeches in it, and um, uh, ap- apart from the thing that you know, would the doctor ever have considered that uh, action that he was going to take? That is doubtful. Um, the space whale and the the vacuum and so on, I can probably. Uh, escape, uh, you know, get over that because of, you know, the idea of, um, I mean, in Star Trek they've had uh, these creatures that uh, travel in the interstellar waste and so on uh, by whatever means it is that they survive. Um, So three and a half at the moment but I'm expecting it to go up to a four rather than down to a three. Okay, and uh, for me uh, three. Three and a five. It's mainly for for Matt, because yeah, I thought uh, Matt was awesome in it. But and Rowan has mentioned, of course, the the June, the uh, the navigators mm-hmm. in June, the uh, mm-hmm. space navigators. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we're coming up on the uh, one and a half hour mark. Um, can I just do some segue announcements, Ian, and then you can wrap up? Yes, you may, sir. Right. Uh, it's a little bit late to do it, but those people have come in as guests this week. Please think about joining. Torch you, get yourself a, a Torch you ID and then come in on the phone. Uh, the number to call in is 724-444-7444. Uh, the shows will be up uh, shortly after we've ended the room uh, on the Torch you site, um, 54821. But it's also available on iTunes as our, our back catalogue of shows. Yeah. And uh, next week... We will be discussing uh, episode three, A Victory of the Daleks. And in a little over an hour, about an hour and a quarter, uh, Podshot Live will be taken to the airs of Torchue. And the Torchue ID for that is 23358. And um, with that... um, Hopefully you'll... Uh, oh, and thank you for all the people that have been downloading. Our our numbers have definitely gone up uh, this last couple of weeks, and uh, uh, we're very happy with that. Ian himself will probably get a couple of studio shows on the show. You may also find, going onto the feed soon, an episode called Loving Doctor Who. Just to mention that that's not about um, the current new episodes that are airing. Uh, that's because uh, with the podcast, Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, that was the episode of our show, the, our, our main episode of our show, that went onto the CD, our DVD that they're producing, of all the different po- Doctor Who uh, podcasts that are available out there. Uh, and we did a bit of tidying it up and uh, cleaned the audio up a little bit. So we may be putting that out on the feeds uh, just to give people an idea of, of uh, a representation of what uh, one of the live shows on Cult of the Collective is like. 
Yeah, so it's, hopefully it's our we'll remastered have this. episode. <laughs> right. And uh, Ian and myself have already done a uh, uh, narration of uh, a commentary show of last week's episode, um, The Eleventh Hour. Uh, once the recording's over, Ian and myself will decide uh, whether we're going to do anything further to that. But uh, right. with that, up to Ian to wrap up the room. Thanks, Paul. Dokie! Yes, um, yeah, Dave and I will have to discuss that because uh, we were probably all expecting the BBC to have uh, commentary tracks released again in conjunction with uh, the episode each week and so far it looks as if they will not be doing them. Uh, so it may be something that Dave and I consider doing you know, weekly. Uh, or we may just go back to our regular schedule of, of working our way up from the beginning of, uh, of New Who. All the way up. There'll, to be, there'll be wine involved anyway. Yes, but there'll be, be wine involved in us and us and us talking about the show. So, what else do you need to know? All right. Well, uh, there's nothing left to say now than, than than goodbyes. So it's goodbye to everybody in the collective. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye goodbye. 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 Let me, goodbye. Let me just unmute. Goodbye. 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 There's nothing more to say then. It's it's goodbye from me. And if you've got an outro, Ian, it's goodbye from you. Yes, I do, sir. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.